Here's to courageous pioneers who understand a legacy is multifaceted. Whether you are an independent entrepreneur or someone who is part of a family business, you too can leave something of value behind for a greater purpose. Perhaps your legacy will improve workplace cultures, seize authentic moments, or inspire others with your talent. Your host, Angelina Carlton, is the founder of Design Your Legacy, a boutique advisory firm based in Beverly Hills, California. She is a mentor and coach to leaders like you and has contributed to Alliance, a philanthropy magazine, as well as to women in family business. She has been recognized by Los Angeles Biz as an LA woman of influence, as well as by World HRD Congress for her work. Remember, you deserve great coaching because your legacy is worth completing. Good morning. My name is Angelina Carlton and I'm with a boutique coaching and advisory firm known as Legacy Planning located in the Beverly Hills, California area. I'd like to talk today with Randall McEwen. So legacy is more than the work we do and those we serve. It is also about enjoying life and its full experiences. As the three emotions I hope my clients feel are freedom, fulfillment, and satisfaction, a part of that comes about through travel and new experiences beyond just being productive. My guest today is Randall McEwen a fellow member of a private networking group known as A Small World. I was introduced to Mr. McEwen through a smaller WhatsApp group of A Small World for North Americans and Mexicans that talk weekly over this WhatsApp cell phone group, as well as regular Zoom meetings for holidays and other occasions, simply to be social and to connect as humans. The smaller group allowed us to connect more as friends and to also connect over this podcast today. So as such, in the human versus the business purposes of planning a legacy, I wanted Randall to talk about some of what has inspired his podcast, Passports and Postcards, that started about a year ago. It is a quite delightful podcast, and I hope that you will also check out his podcast. So he talks about uh, travel as well as a number of other subjects, such as overcoming fear, He also interviews luxury travel experts, two other random individuals that have experienced new sites and adventures all around the world. So welcome, Mr. McEwen, today. Well, thank you for having me. How are you today? I'm very good. I'm very good. So I'm, I'm, again, I'm delighted to be a a member of A Small World and to meet other people that are um, courageous to learn about this world and seek new adventures. So... If you would tell me, how might you describe your podcast? Is it like a personal journal? Well, I think for me, travel is my passion and not being able to travel right now. The idea behind the podcast is just to keep people dreaming about travel and having guests on the show allows me to learn about destinations that I haven't been to. And those destinations get put on my bucket list so that when governments ease up travel restrictions and we can travel again, I will be heading to some of these destinations. Yeah, I think it's wonderful to have something to look forward to, as well as a what I might call a a catalog of conversations, as well as a, a, yeah, um, yeah, how, how, yeah. What have well, you enjoyed the most about your podcast? Well, I th- I think just on one note, you're talking about there about um, it is, you know, a recording. So when we look back on the recordings, 
people can listen and those are there for as long as I guess the internet is around. So people can reflect back on some of the conversations I've had. So in a way that is part of my legacy. You know, if uh, there are people that know me and knock on wood that nothing happens, but if some something did, there's still archived messages that I've had conversations I've had with other people that will make those people like my family and friends and colleagues that be able to reflect and hear my voice again, maybe bring a smile to their face. But the happiest thing, the reason what the podcast makes me happy is in the fact of spreading the message to the masses. And when I started on this journey, I was only looking at sharing my story. If one person listened to it, I'd be happy. But as it's evolved, it's been heard on every continent. Yes. Over 70 countries and over 500 unique cities. So the message is getting out there. And some of the places that listen are surprising because English isn't their first language. But as we learned in the podcast community, is some people listen to podcasts to help them learn English. Oh, I didn't realize that. So individuals of, of let's say, an ESL background, English as a second language, can tune in and then it becomes fun. Yeah. Yes, as they dream about new destinations. I agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah, I had the opportunity to travel when I was growing up and I had the uh, chance to see Asia and the Middle East and uh, many countries throughout Europe. And it was an education in and of itself to experience the different cultures, the different foods, the, you know, every nuance to know that the world that I'm experiencing now here and here and now today isn't the only world that is available. I'll be honest with you, my travel journey didn't start till later in life. Um, I did travel domestically when I was younger. And what I mean by domestically is within my own province. Uh, We have family that lived out of town, so we were always traveling on weekends and such, but never really got to explore the world, not until probably in my late 30s, I started traveling. And since then, I've been had the pleasure to explore 13 countries and learn about the diverseness of the world, um, enjoy some different delicacies from around the world. So I sort of kick myself and say I should have done it a lot sooner in my 20s when I had time and money. Now, while I still have time, but uh, lacking the, the money, but, you know, I'd rather have experiences than things. So I'll spend my money on adventures rather than on new cars or new technology. So, yes. Well said, well said, we only live this life once and there is a lot to experience. And I think many times we don't know until we step outside of the box. One of my favorite episodes of yours was a lady, I believe she was from California and she decided to go on a walking journey in France. And she went on a walk through, I think it was Italy and, and her husband had joined her for a part of it. And I thought what a, a amazing that she had the courage to do that as someone who I might say is in the, the you know, middle-aged to just um, leave the comfort of suburbia and to go to a destination off of a resort, off the beaten path and get to know the locals and just embrace life. And I think it's a reminder that we always have things to look forward to. Yeah, in that particular podcast, the uh, lady, she had traveled um, the um, Camino Trail 
mm-hmm. a pilgrimage in Spain, and she did 500 uh, miles there, and she did 500 in Italy. And that's the thing I like about podcasts is the fact you learn about different things. I never knew about that before. And it's, you know, having these conversations with people can help you, one, become a better person, educate yourself. More well-rounded, yes. Yes. And, yes. And so, and there's many, many podcasts out there, not just mine. So there are many out there. Yes. Well, I think one of the reminders of, of passports and postcards is that, you know, when we're building a legacy, it, it's more than just the traditional definition found in, let's say, Webster's Dictionary of property and financial assets. I think a part of it, the legacy that we leave behind is our knowledge and how we lived our life, you know, and that quality of life can be through uh, th- these little things. It's uh, again, like you had said, it's not just what we buy, what we purchase, what we own, what we possess, um, uh, but it's also being able to, you know, with our time, um, try new things. And, you know, they say time is our greatest asset. And so I just think about the qualitative aspects of one's legacy more than, more than or in addition to the quantitative aspects. Well, I think too, you know, we, I consider myself when I do a podcast as a recorder of history. So that information that I obtain, future generations can learn about it, uh, just like we did in textbooks. I don't see many young people carrying around a bag full of textbooks like I did when I was in school. Yes. Everything they have available to them is online. But I took someone, an author, to sit down and write the information or when history was happening to record the events so they could share it with us in the future. So that was their legacy. Mm -hmm. I remember those days of the backpack. (laughs) Yes, it nearly broke our backs. (laughs) Now you just have to keep a little tablet or laptop and just Google Google things. Right, right. Along with those lockers. (laughs) Yeah, very skinny lockers. Correct. I remember those. So um, I started um, a, a kind of a series. It was organic uh, on YouTube of a variety of, of videos. It was probably about four months ago. And I started with my cousin who's located over in the United Kingdom. And I wish that I would have started, gosh, a year ago or maybe a few years ago, but I hadn't made the connection yet of not only how valuable it could be to others, but also how happy it can make a person. And, and I wondered, um, you know, what, what has made you happy about your podcast or, you know, what have you learned that maybe you missed before, you know, in the hindsight? Well, the thing that has made me really happy is starting off when I did a year ago, I knew nothing about podcasts. I knew nothing about recording, scripting. I had a little bit of knowledge from way back in the days in school, but that was back in the 80s but then how to reach out and connect with people. And that's something that I really was dif- had difficulty doing is reaching out and making those true connections. So through many different platforms, whether it be, as you said earlier, a, a small world, or lately I found a place called Clubhouse. And I belong to a good podcast community in there. And from there, we were able to meet and be introduced to great guests for the show so I've been able to my joy is travel and if I can't physically do it then hearing about where people are and what they're doing that makes me happy it makes me know that there is still places out there still places to see and encourages me to keep on moving forward day to day to get through what we're going through right now 
mm-hmm. so that when travel does open up, there are destinations I want to go to. And it, you know, planning for a trip, even as a little kid, you know, like you get your suitcase, you got to remember it. It's like, what's going to happen? Where am I going? Where am I going to stay? What am and the excitement? And I find that as an adult, an older adult, I still find the excitement in planning for the trip. So having these podcasts, it 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 makes me really happy in knowing the fact that someday soon I will be able to travel. Yes. Yes. And I think there's um, something about it also about, um, you know, we played as children and then when we become adults, we're expected to be productive and responsible, but then it begs the question of, well, when do we as adults get to play, go outside and right, get our hands dirty and, and explore the world. And right. I play all the time. I play all the time. Right. Even though I'm not supposed to, I play all the time. Right. That joy and the curiosity. Yes. I remembered when I was five and six years old, I lived in Izmir, Turkey, and I was just delighted to watch the whirling dervishes. I didn't understand a lot, obviously, at age five or six. But I remember just um, the wonder in my heart regarding, um, yeah, just something different, something new. And, and, And there's a magic about learning things that are foreign to ourselves and that might be outside of our, our, you know, regular scope of, of what is, you know, deemed normal within our, within our box. Yes. And, and just walking through the bazaars, which are these like shopping centers in case someone doesn't know what a, a bazaar is. It's like a, a marketplace and there's a variety of vendors of, it's almost like a farmer's market in the United States or in Canada where you're at. Um, nope. Yeah. Okay. So, so did it take courage for you to start your podcast? Well, yes, and, and I'll sort of tell you a little backstory on that. Um, when I did study radio and television broadcasting back in the 80s, my goal one day was to be an on-air personality, whether it be in front of the camera or behind a microphone. However, I learned quickly that um, behind the scenes in television, I was really good at. In front of the camera, I was not. When I turned to radio, my teacher said to me, he said, you were too ugly for radio. I'll explain it. Don't get too excited. I'll explain it to your listeners what he meant. And he was honest and true. I have a tendency to talk fast. So all my words come together and people can't understand me. So he said, in the radio industry, you have to have clarity so that when you're giving a message, people can hear you. So when I started, the, that really set me back a bit. I really didn't get into that industry. But here I am, you know, in the 20, 2020, and I want to start a podcast. So how do I start it? So I didn't know how to start it. So there was fear there about, is anybody going to listen? How many shows am I going to do? Because the average podcast only lasts seven episodes, and then they just fade away. I think what people are afraid of is, or what people really look at is they look at the numbers. If they're not getting the numbers, they walk away. Mm. But as I said, if one person hears my message, then I've done my job. But the fear, there is always fear. Fear about criticism. Fear that not just uh, fear that nobody will listen. That's the main thing. Fear that nobody will listen. You put a podcast out there and you're competing right now if you go to Spotify or if you go to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, 
there's currently like 2 million podcasts. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Out of that, only 38% of them are active. Okay. But you've you got people like um, big celebrities. Okay. I'll say like Rob Lowe has his own podcast. Right. Um, we have Joe Rogan, who put everything exclusive on Google, or not Google, on uh, Spotify. Okay. They're big names people know of. So people, when you put your name up there, they go, passports and postcards with random McEwen. Who the heck is random McEwen? And what what uh, knowledge does he have that he can share with us? Well, it's not until you actually listen. Correct. And the idea, like being afraid, being afraid is what's next? You know, you do one podcast, like you, you put it together, you do the next one, you do the next one. And then after the first season, I had a good friend of mine saying, I really like the fact that you're, you're doing a podcast. Maybe you should have guests on your show. So then that started up a new fear is I'm going to be having this two-way conversation with people that I really don't know. Right. And the way I do mine, I try to treat it as a casual conversation. So it's not like I do an in-depth interview before we go on air. We have that in-depth interview on air. So we get to know the speaker, the guest right away. We talk about travel because that's what the podcast is about. And at the end of the podcast, we allow them to let the listeners know what they're working on. So I've had some great guests on there. Well, actually many, many, I'd say 90% great guests. They're all great. (laughs) Every once in a while, you'll get that one person that's like, oh, do I really want to put this to air? So then you have to have that conversation with the individual saying, I really thank you for your time, but it's not really what we were looking for. And you can't really tell the person that during the conversation, you have to let it go because it could improve. But at the end, you just might say, you know, we were looking for something different. I'll keep it in the back burner. If I need to, I'll bring it, put it on. Okay. But again, as people, we don't want to hurt people's feelings. So that's a fear there. Whereas you spend this time, the person volunteers their time you want to make sure that what you're getting is what you need and what they're wanting to talk about flows. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it doesn't happen. So that's another fear. But as I say, everybody loves to talk about travel. It's not like talking about capital gains and stuff like that. So travel is a fun topic. Yeah. I think it touches the the concept of play in one's heart. Yeah. Be able to, Yeah just be more than productive in this life when we look back because as they always say that no like nobody goes to their grave and thinks oh, I should have spent another day working or another hour at the office they think about maybe I should have gone to the beach or maybe I should have done that walk in the park or that nature hike or, or whatever that that thing that brings meaning to them and I find what's so interesting about that is travel doesn't necessarily have to be expensive when you refer to people um you know, enjoying the result resorts, but also being able to leave the resorts, get off the beaten path and experience locals and the local culture. And so I think about, you know, regardless of where somebody is and what geography or what geographic region of the world, um, it's not, it doesn't have to be expensive. No, it it doesn't. It's again, what I, I try to tell people, there are some people that travel every year but they will travel to the same resort every year because they're so used to it. It's familiar. And they go there, they go there for their week or two weeks. And that's how they do it. Go to the resort. 
where I encourage people that, yes, you can go to resort, but there's a lot of excursions from those resorts and try to take as many as you can. I know for myself, if I'm going for two weeks, I try to get three or four excursions in because that takes you out of the resort, into the community, get to mingle with the people, get to see the history. I'll give you an example. Go, my first time going to Havana in Cuba. We hear so negative stuff about Cuba, but what a beautiful city, the old and the brand new stuff they're building there. Or in some cases, they're taking the old facade of buildings, keeping them and building brand new within. So there's a lot of beauty everywhere you travel. You just have to find it. And I find that if you, for me, I've been to some places where it's maybe considered not third world, but not not like Canada, United States. They don't have all the infrastructure. When you go there, you find out what they have. They have a home, roof over their head, food in their stomach. The kids are educated. They're healthy. That's all they need. So when I come back to Canada, I appreciate all that I have and realize that I may not have all that I want, but I have more than I need. So travel is an education. It is very much, very much. I wanted to share it with you before I ask the next question that it's funny about things coming full circle. You had mentioned studying radio before. Yes. Yeah, when I was at Penn State, I was a jazz DJ at WKPS FM, and I didn't ever think anything would come of it. And it's interesting that, um, gosh, so I graduated in the year 2000, that 20, 21 years later, it's almost like returning to a skill set that I thought that I would never use. Yes. Yeah. Even though I'm not at that board where you have to push all the buttons. Yep. Yes. Yeah, back then they had records and CDs. Yeah, it's probably much, much different today. But yeah, I was actually accepted to the School of Music at the University of Southern California, but I didn't go there. I, instead, I went to Penn State. And um, so it's just interesting <laughs> well, just how, we, how note, we think our life might, you know, unwind yeah. and turn out. And yes. On that note, I do have a, I have a mixing board here for when I'm doing my podcast. So I have soundtracks, I have sounds, I have... So I can have up to four guests plugged in when we can meet personally in person. But uh, yeah, so some of that technology I used to do, like just to give your listeners example, when I was studying radio and we had to do an edit, we had to find it on the, on the reel. We had to splice it on an angle. Then we had to tape it together, make sure it sounded right. Sometimes you have to do multiple edits where now everything is digital. It's a lot easier digitally than it is when you're splicing tape. But, uh, you know, like you said, an old skill set that you learned that you thought you'd never use again. So all those young people that are listening, anything you learn, you don't know when you'll need it again. Right, uh, right. And it's always handy as a backup, mm -hmm. as we're doing right now. We're using some of the technology, some of the abilities that we learned back then. And I don't see you spinning any records right there, but... <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> you never know. You never know. So, you know, learn what you can. You never yes. know when you'll need it. Right, right. And I think it also, it's if you have a, a love for it somewhere in your heart, it, it becomes fun. Compared well, to that grind of the daily life that people can sometimes fall into. And then you can see their faces out there and they just look, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. They need a little well, fun. Yeah. I think there's too much expectation put on young people on what they should be rather than what they, like I always say, find something you're passionate about, 
because you'll be successful, more successful at that than something that is um, sort of forced upon you, like to become a doctor or a lawyer. Not to say those are bad professions, but if you love that stuff, go for it. Right. But don't allow someone else to steer your future for you. Only you can steer your future. You're the captain of your own ship. Yes, yes. So some great lessons that you've picked up in life. So if we talk about quality of life, uh, when you think about uh, your past as well as the present moment in 2021, what do you think brings out the quality of life for you now, as well as when you kind of look back in the past year or the past few decades? Well, I'll be honest, I've sort of morphed a bit if you want to use that word, uh, because back before my current job, uh, I worked in as a manager in a business where I took it upon myself to make sure everything was done. So I was putting in 50, 60 hours a week, um, not really enjoying life. And because I was trying to climb the corporate ladder, I saw something better up there and found out that you can get knocked off that ladder quite fast and have to start all over again. Yes. Unfortunate enough in the job that I have right now, and to let your listeners know, I do work for the federal government. We have a very good work-life balance. And I think it's key that you take time for yourself. So I choose, and I get to choose my hours, which is great because I choose from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. And what that means for me, and especially now that we're working from home in most cases, at three o'clock comes, I shut everything down. I still have almost a full day in which to do things. So it's like, I never had that before. And now that the, like, it's a beautiful day here, it's like almost 70 degrees. After work, I'm going to be out on my patio enjoying the beautiful weather. It was, to be honest, it was like snowing, lots of snow on the ground on Wednesday. And today it's like 20, so, or 20 Celsius or 70 Fahrenheit. But it's the opportunity to do that. And now that actually, as I've progressed over time, I've had the earnings now which to travel more. When I was younger, I had the money, but spending on foolish stuff, stuff that I thought, because as a young person, you think that money is endless. As long as I'm working, it's going to come in. Yes. No, that's when you need to start actually, when you have that extra money when you're younger, bank it or invest it. Right. That when you get to my young age, which is almost 60, you will have those funds there. You don't have to work as hard. Or worry. Or worry, yeah. That's yes. the thing. And that's right now with this past year and a bit. A lot of people have realized, you know, they should save for more than a rainy day. Who thought we'd have a rainy year? Right. Or a rainy few years, correct. Yes. It's humbling, uh, in addition to, to being wise, to live under or... Uh, you know, within one's means, because other people can say, well, why don't you live in a bigger house? Or why don't, you know, fill in the blank? And so you have to be very comfortable living in simplicity or living with less, knowing that, you know, one day you're going to enjoy more in stretching out the, but, the fortune. Well, that's true. You know, it's, and I'll just give you an example. I have my, my daughter who lives in a 2,600 square foot house. There's her, her husband, and four cats. They have it because that's what they wanted, but they really don't need it. They don't need it. Um, I just, 
you know, it's it's sometimes it's a status symbol. What car sure. you drive, what house you live, what clothes you wear. The ego. <laughs> I'm not all about that. I'm about, as I said earlier, I'm all about experiences and I'd rather leave this world with uh, a cupboard full of experiences than a big, beautiful house and a big, beautiful car. And, you know, it's, it's, if I can have both, yes. Right. But if I had to choose, I'd take experiences over big house and big car. Yeah. And I think also one of the things with travel is you never know who you're going to meet and the notes that you're going to exchange with them. Hmm. Yes. And, and, and in travel, I've met some great people and we still, you know, you make those connections and they become friends. You get concerned about them. If things like weather, bad weather, or if they get ill or in a situation where this past year, you know, you worry about how their mental health is, you know, people, people can't connect in person. So we worry about how they're doing and through modern technology, through either Zoom or a phone call or a text message, you can always stay in touch. If this happened maybe 50 years ago, I think we'd be in a different world because technology is what's keeping us going Connected. and getting us through this. Absolutely. Compared to isolated. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, um, so for people who have not yet visited a thousand cities, um, you have the opportunity to compare notes with others in travel as it brings its own education for various reasons and effects. Uh, what have each or some of your guests taught you about the experience of life? Well, I think one of the key thing is don't take life too serious. You know, remember to laugh. And you said earlier, remember to find time to play. Uh, I say to people, I work to pay the bills. And my travel job, which I had, was my passion. It was my love. So, yeah, I think, to be honest. Priorities? Well, we always have to look at what's, what our responsibilities are. Okay. I sort of stuck on that one. Sorry about that. No worries. No worries. Um, I think um, that uh, about the experience of life that, uh, I mean, from what I've heard from your podcast, it's that uh, it's not just what we expect, that we can still be surprised. Very true. And I'll be honest with you that uh, what we read and what we watch, you know, I'll talk about your country, your beautiful country itself, United States of America. Growing up, I saw it as big cities and, you know, big industry. But as I got older, I was able to actually drive through the United States and stop at little towns and get to meet people along the way and see how friendly the people in the U.S. are. That was my real first experience before I left this continent and went flew over to Europe. So it gave me a good expectation that, you know, don't, don't Judge a book. hold people into those images that you might have saw in the media on TV when you're younger. Sure. Go out and meet people, give them the benefit of the doubt, get to know them. And as my guests come on the show, they remind me that even though they're different places in the world, we're all the same. 
Mm, yes, that's a, when you're finished, I want to add. End of the day, we are all the same. We're human beings. And what they teach me and the experiences they give me is just the joy of listening to how passionate they are about where they're from and, and where they want to go. Yes, yes. I wanted to share an, an, uh, an insight to play off of what you just shared. And that is one of the things that I've learned about coaching individuals, as well as groups of people in the last, I'd say seven years, how similar we are, whether I've got a client in Dubai or the client is in, uh, you know, whichever country in this world, they have fears, dreams, desires, hopes. Yes, they get their heart broken. They, you know, it's, it's, and so it's very interesting when you mentioned about the, the stereotypes or the images and then that we see in mainstream media and then to kind of pull back a little bit in the 5,000 foot view to say, wait a minute, let me not judge a book by the cover because they want, you know, a great delicious meal every night. They want to put their kids to sleep. They want a roof over their head. And yeah, it's, it's very interesting when we can break through those, uh, what I call those aha moments, those epiphanies. Yeah. Yes. In fact, I'll share one more quick story. In 2013, I met my husband and he's a Canadian. And the joke was, and I'm sure you've heard these jokes. I said, uh, they never talked about Canada when I was growing up. Uh, I, I came back to the U.S. Um, in my teen, teen years. And, but in the U.S. history classes or the world history classes, Canada was never talked about. So I had this idea that it was just pine trees above Michigan and Washington state and Maine and so forth. And, and except for maybe a few celebrities like Celine Dion or Sarah McLaughlin or something, th those were, there, there must've been three Canadians and those three all went to Hollywood. But other than that, it was just pine trees up there. So the first time I saw Toronto, I said, I can't believe it. Look at all these lanes of traffic. This is like Los Angeles, <laughs> which sounds very, um, ignorant in a sense. And I know Americans can get labeled as ethnocentric, but um, yeah, it was, it was very much an aha moment. And then also <laughs> every other detail of life, like in Canada, there's a lot of roads like Prince William road or Prince William Sound or, you know, all of the names. And I think it was also just a good lesson in history because I, I would spend since 2013, 180 days at a time or six months going to Canada. And, and even though it's just a country north it's almost I felt like I was on a study abroad trip every single mm -hmm. time yeah right you your your country has different coffee shops yes we do right named after hockey players yes we do right yes good old Tim Hortons yes yes <laughs> and even and I'll, and I'll go on to the next question after this but even um conversational distinctions uh Canadians do this sound they go mm-hmm do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, there it is right there. Yeah, Americans don't do that. <laughs> a? Yes, yes, A, yes. All right. That's, only, so, that's the only letter we know in the alphabet is A. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> and it can go at the end of many sentences. A, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So speaking of uh, the next question about traveling light, yes, uh, every time I would go to your magnificent country of Canada, I would go with a suitcase. And so, so in terms of traveling light, I'd have to think about what are the clothes that would be the highest priority. And um, yeah, it would be a suitcase and a laptop bag. And, and then I had my laptop stolen one time at the Toronto airport, which was a 
an exciting experience, but again, traveling light and uh, what an education that is. Cause um, we can think that our world is all that there is, but there's so much more. And there is. And the only way to discover that is to get out and travel. Right. Take that first step. But I know I'll be honest with you currently a lot of people I talk to, they're afraid of traveling anywhere because they don't know what the health is like in those countries, or if even if the countries are ready to receive tourists, but if you're not ready, you need to make that step to get on a plane and fly somewhere when things are able to do so. At least explore your own backyard. Go out and explore local towns, local cities. Go for a walk in a path nearby. Find a park if they're open, the provincial parks, federal parks, or in the states, your national parks. And explore your own neighborhood first and get a feel for it and feel comfortable about traveling. Get out of your comfort zone. If you're from a city, go out, visit the country, go to a farm if you can. It's just, you start there and then from there you build the courage to actually take a ship or a plane or drive to a place like, say, Mexico or you can, you can even go further south if you want to. You know, the roads are open when restrictions are lifted but yeah you can always you can drive right down to the tip of south america if you wanted to but it's when you get out and actually explore the world you get to realize how small we are individually yes. and how large we are when we work together absolutely and it, it, it adds such a richness to the meaning of our life mm-hmm. yes yes so on the uh, on the subject of traveling light what has surprised you? Well, in travel? Sure, sure. When you have to I just bring a suitcase and that's it. <laughs> I, well, for me personally, I always pack way too much. I'll tell you that to start off with. I way, I, I'll pack double what I normally would use when I'm away. And each time I come back, I say I'll pack less. But because I guess where I grew up, we grew up here in Canada, and we have four seasons, you never know what to expect. You don't want to be left uh, high and dry or high and wet. Um, mm-hmm. so you want to make sure that you have the proper clothing. But what surprises me most about travel is, one, how far away places are, but actually how near they are. When we look at our ancestors and how far they traveled. I know my family immigrated from Ireland. They got Ireland. and they came across to North America. And I'm afraid to take a trip to, you know, a one day driving trip. I'm afraid to take that trip. They, they talk about fear and hope. These people that they left their country. It's pioneers. Pioneers to come and look what they did here in North America. They, they did a great job in providing a new home, new opportunities for their family. Settlers, sure. So as what I like personally like doing is when I travel, I like going to places that I know. I study my family history a little bit so I know where we come from. So when I go to England, I look for places that, you know, mention my family history. Same thing in Ireland. Got a little bit of French blood in me. So when I go to France, the same thing. But what I also like to learn about people is what they think about us. Yes. Or what they know about us, because, you know, you might have an opinion of yourself, but until you hear it from somebody else, you thought, oh, yeah, maybe they're right. Maybe, maybe we're better than we think or we're worse than we think. So hearing it from someone else sometimes sort of 
it's sometimes a learning experience and it's educational, but it's sometimes it could be funny, you know, yes. like as we joke about the Canadians saying, Hey, but there are certain things that we do that we just think are normal. Right. And other people going like, what do you mean you're eating poutine? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Canadians also have a phrase called stick handling. And for non-hockey players, we don't, we wouldn't know that. Yep. yep. Yes. And we do that a lot. Even in this conversation, I've been doing a lot of stick handling. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I think it brings somebody to reality to check in. And um, my experiences overseas were always very good. Um, but I also realized that some, in some places, Americans are welcome. And in some places, people might have different perspectives of Americans. Or it's about the Levi's, Disney, Pepsi, and certain brands that they know of. And that, that becomes the, the conversation point. Well, I, I think, too, that... Uh... I don't know about Americans, but I tell you about Canadians. If you go to almost any country and you see you're from Canada, you're greeted with a smile and a handshake. And I'm glad that people think of us that way, that we're, we're good people. And uh, I even talk to young people that travel and they just have that Canada flag on their backpack and they're welcomed almost everywhere they go. So that itself has value in it. And it's probably the legacy that's been left by our forefathers, um, probably from war times when the Canadians have been over there and helping uh, stop the war and uh, giving people back a life that they lost there during the war. So it's nice that they reflect on that. And uh, as I said, maybe it's because the legacy left by our, our forefathers. Absolutely. And, and having the, the benefit of uh, being able to uh, build off of that yes, as a foundation then going forward. Yeah, it's very interesting when, and I'll just deviate for one second. <laughs> okay. uh, it's interesting to look back and think of the choices that our ancestors made and how they lived life. Um, my mother's side of the family, they came over, or my mother is first generation here. And then on my father's side, I think it's, he's 13th. I mean, I think I'm 14th generation here. And it's interesting. They, they cataloged and documented everything from the time that they landed in Massachusetts. And they're just, I just, I'm blown away also by how much they were required to know in their education, probably in some ways more than what is expected to, of us in the school system. But I think it's also different reference points because yes. the, the times are different. I agree with you 100% there. Yes. So speaking about new adventures, you often talk with your guests about venturing off of resorts. And I wondered what you would like to share about that subject, maybe in addition to a couple of things you've already talked about. Well, I'll give you an interesting story and it relates to how I feel. One of my very first trips was to Cuba and on the plane with us was two young ladies and we got off the resort. They got on the bus with us. The bus will pick you up, drop you off at the resort. But as they got dropped off the front door, they didn't go in and check in. The one girl we overheard in conversation was the fact that they were planning on spending their two weeks in Cuba backpacking around the island. And I'm thinking, wow, that's very courageous. So I didn't think anything of it. They went off. We did our own thing. But um, again, being at a resort, there are excursions. So we were able to take a few excursions and get to explore the east end of Cuba and the south end of Cuba at that time. 
But after our two weeks, these two girls met up with us back at our resort to get on that bus to go back to the airport. So I was able to speak to them on the way back. And what I learned from them is the experiences they enjoyed, meeting people and how friendly they were. People fed them, people housed them. They're able to see some very political places that maybe others, the government wouldn't want tourists to see, but the locals would take them and show them. And overall, they had a great experience. They, you know, loved the food, loved the music. So what I always advise in the eight years that I was in the industry, I always encourage people, you know, you can go to a destination and you can stay at a resort, but why not book just a hotel? And that way you can, you'll be right. It's, I'll use an example, say, we'll say Havana. You can book a hotel in Havana and you can get out and explore, be with the people, um, enjoy the history, enjoy the music, not saying that they don't play at the resorts, but there are certain things that are, you have to explore. You have yes, to explore. Yes, an um, experience. I always say that people in destinations in any world, France, England, Ireland, Germany, Italy, they're all proud people and they will talk your ear off about their country and their life and how things are. At the same time, they're learning from you. So if you get the opportunity to go, I always encourage people, I'll give you one, one quick example. I went to a, nothing against Hard Rock, Hard Rock Resorts, but when I, that was my first experience of being at an all-inclusive resort. Staying on that resort, I did not leave that resort. I did not know I was in an, a foreign country because it was so modern. Everything was what I expected back in North America, even though I was in the Dominican. So why would I want to go to another country to sit in a place that reminded me of home? I want to go to a place that's going to give me an experience, give me an opportunity to meet with the people that live there, learn from them, enjoy their the way they cook their food, enjoy their music and their hospitality. For me, that's been the greatest joy, has been able to do that everywhere I've gone. Enjoy the people. Right. Yes. You're still on vacation. Right. You don't have the stresses of your phone ringing on your desk. You don't have your boss in your ear. But what you're doing is you're showing an interest in those people. You're not just coming and exploiting the fact that it's their country. Somebody built a resort there. They're going to stay on your beach. They're going to, you know, you're there to engage with the people. And that's very important in, in my eyes. Right. Yes, I think that's priceless advice. And it, it expands our life here. Our, um, yeah, the, this quality of life, the experience that we're going to have. And uh, yeah, I, I think that when we, uh, I think resorts are wonderful and all the spa services, but there is something to be said about creating new connections and understanding different cultures and lifestyles that aren't going to be structured at a resort where it's predictable on a menu that, yes, yes. Okay. Um, so do you keep a dream journal outside of the podcast or? Um... Well, just uh, I wouldn't say really a dream journal. I'm a photographer. Okay. And I would say I've taken... Oh, 
well over 100,000 photos. And whenever I, if I travel with my wife, what we do is I'm the photographer, she's the writer. So we'll use social media to update people. I upload my photos. She up, uploads the story of the events of the day. But for me, I can always, you know, if I wrote something, I have a habit of, you know, writing a paragraph rather than writing a story. But when I look at my photos, I can write a story from the photo and a full story. And I've taken that one step further in the fact that I'm starting to write books. I have one already published. Well, actually I have three books, but two of them, the very first one I did was about my experience being in Ireland during 9-11. The second book was just about podcasting. So that you don't worry want to know about that. The third book is about two of my adventures, um, one to a week adventure in Antigua. And then the second part of the book is about my trip to uh, Cancun, Mexico. What I'm working on right now is a book called Drinking Dingle Dry. And to explain what that is, there's a place in Ireland called Dingle and they make a gin. Not that I drink gin, but the book will be about traveling Ireland and, and hidden places you need to see, not the touristy sites, but where the locals go. And what better title than having Drinking Dingle Dry? And that book I hope to have released uh, probably by the end of this year. I'm about halfway through the book right now. And again, that's my way of, you know, sharing my memories. I never thought I'd be a writer. I'm very bad with grammar and punctuation and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I ask people, what did you learn? Even forget about the writing, the, the punctuation, the grammar, the spelling. Did you understand the story? Did you get something out of that story? They say, oh yeah, it's a great story. That's all I'm trying to do is share a story. Thank God now we have editors and we have uh, Word, Microsoft Word, so it helps us with that. But again, at the end of the day, it's did you understand the story? Did you get enjoyment from the story? Did you learn something? Yes, yes. So I do that with my books. I do with my podcasts, my photographs. Those are things that remind me of my travels. And it's there for anybody else so they can look at it. And I'm not saying live through my photos or my writings, but read it, get excited and want to travel. So hopefully at the end of it, when they see everything, they'll want to travel, they'll go travel. Yeah. And I just wanted to acknowledge that you are creating your legacy right now in a, uh, um, you know, it does like creating your legacy doesn't have to be extreme. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be over the top. I think it's being able to harness your creative energy and um, connect with people and keep the dream alive. And so I think one of the questions I, I have is um, what inspired you? Is it just that time was passing or was it what, or did what inspire you? Uh, was it the fact that you saw like a taste of traveling in the United States and you said, I'd like to get more of this and I'd like to expand this? Well, I think what inspired me, to be honest with you, is I've had two medical scares. And when you go through things like that, you don't know how many days you have left. Yes. There are things I want to share with people. I 
you know, things I even want to share with my own family that may not have experienced or even not known. So I took an opportunity uh, again at the beginning of the pandemic. We weren't, you know, we were in lockdown. With City of Toronto has been in lockdown for like ever, and there's not really much to do. And I figured, you know, I've I've got the tools, I've got the know-how. What inspired me is I want to keep the dream of travel alive, even though my business may have faded off. I always say that even if we just walk out to our front garden, we're traveling. Do not just sit there and wait for the world to go by. Go out and experience life. Travel could be anything. Travel could be to a local park. Travel could be to the grocery store. Travel could be to the doctor's office. But enjoy the fact that you can travel. And I I wanted to bring this up because... uh, as we close out this conversation, one of the, the colloquial ways that I define legacy is as it is the opposite of tragedy. So when I look out into the world and I ask the question of, well, why doesn't everyone want to achieve and complete their legacy? I think sometimes they forget that it's within their reach or they fall into what I call like a valley of um, like they just cut themselves off. And, and then I just think about um that we can all do little things and make little decisions that then can expand our world and make this life so happy and so fulfilling and so satisfying. Yes. And so. Well, I was just going to say as a travel person, travel advisor, one of the greatest joys I had was when people return from vacation and they have wonderful memories, wonderful experiences, and they were excited to talk about it. And, and as we go through our lives, we're probably the best billboards ever made. Because if we go to a restaurant and we have had a good meal, we'll share it with our family and friends. If we've we'll had a bad people. experience, yes. we do the same thing. Same thing with a good book, a movie. We are a walking billboard. Yes. So, yeah, I agree that uh, people are sometimes... Af- when you talk about legacy, people really don't, they think the end, when they hear the word legacy, they think the end and they don't want to talk about it because they're not there yet. But I think you have to, it's like anything. It's like doing a will. You do it before, right, you do it before the, you need it. So legacy is before the preparation, Create your legacy first and work through it. And legacy could take you a lifetime to build. Correct. Yes. But don't think of it as do starting at the end. You got to yeah. start somewhere. So, for me, I started with my writings and my podcasts and my photography. So I've built the legacy for for others behind me that are others coming along. Uh, young people come along. They can take a look and learn. And that's the thing is if one person learns, then I've done something good. So, And I think I've fulfilled my legacy. Yes, absolutely. I think you're absolutely correct. I think that the sooner that we can figure out what brings us joy authentically to our heart, and then start developing it, it may not necessarily be easy. That's why one of the slogans that I have for my boutique coaching and advisory firm is, um, we don't realize how great our legacy could be until we finally receive the support that we need and the guidance that we need. Because um, sometimes if we just stay stuck, then we, we don't even move forward. And I think that when we do move forward, it's not that we are fearless, because like you had said before, every time you go into a podcast, you have 
you know, new things to worry about, you know, will it work out? Well, will the guest be in flow and in sync? And will Mm -hmm. I find my next podcast guest to invite on? Like there's always that new level of obstacles and challenges. So it's not as if we, we do it, you know, fearlessly. I think it is that we just keep putting one foot in front of the other and we just keep developing it. And, and I think that's a part of the exciting journey. It might scare the daylights out of us, but we're doing it in real time. You have to break that barrier, get over the fear, move forward. Yes. Yes. So what is one thing you wish others uh, would know about your personal legacy? Is it the education piece or is there anything else? I think what I want people to know about me is the fact that I've been there to help people along the way, no matter where, whether it's work-wise, within the community, my own family, that when the call came for help, I was there. And sometimes we have to sacrifice ourselves to help others. And that's what I want people to know is that we have to be there to help, whether it be in your job, as a mentor, good parenting, um, good partner in your relationship, a good person within the community. I've done a lot of things over my life and I know I've left a mark because in certain situations, years later, I run into somebody and they remember the things I've done. And that's, if that's, that's the way I'm going out with people remembering the good things I've done. I'm not perfect. But if they remember the good things I did, the things that I sacrificed myself to help them, I'm a happy person. Yes, your heart then becomes full. My heart is full. Yes. And on that note, I guess we will wrap. Are there any other thoughts that you would like to share? Well, if I could just one parting thing, and we're talking about travel, that's what I'm all about is travel and, and, and exploring and learning is you can take geography in school they teach you where places are. You can take history in school and they can tell you what happened. It's only you who can travel and make the future. Whether it be in your own backyard, your own state, your own province, your own country, start somewhere. We will learn and you will gain great experiences and then along the way, you'll probably meet some very interesting people that can turn out to be lifelong friends. Well said, well said. Thank you so much, Mr. McEwen from Passports and Postcards. I find it to be a wonderful privilege that you have joined our show today. And I appreciate again, how much you have shared in such transparency about your experiences, as well as um, what you would like your legacy to be. Thank you so much for having me.